Okay, everybody. Um, we're back with another uh, movie review. So, you remember there was that whole uh, COVID-19 thing in 2020? The what? The, uh, the, oh. the, the disease that everyone got. We got bacteria thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, when that was happening, Joe Biden's president bunch of crunchy like crumb inducing food right where someone was sitting 20 minutes ago mm -hmm. and it gets cleaned like maybe once a day you remember when you could do that yeah i missed that so this movie um they were gonna they were gonna do that and then you know everyone everyone caught the uh the covid parasite mm. and you know no relation to the parasite the movie but everyone got the covid parasite and so you couldn't go see uh tenant in theaters so, the Christopher Nolan, um, being the Brit that he is, was very stubborn on releasing this movie on uh, streaming services because obviously, you know, movie theaters were closed and you couldn't go out and see a movie. So, after much hand wringing with Warner Brothers, eventually it got a streaming release at the end of August of 2020. And we're here to review Tenet, which is the new Christopher Nolan movie. Which that neither it, of us watched in theaters. As we, we did not time. watch it in theaters because you know we uh, we value our grandparents. I, I I love my surviving grandparent very much. I'm sure you do too. If you haven't, if you yeah, have grandparents, but they're like half a country away, so it's not like I'm going to infect them. Yeah, but still, you know, it, I'd rather the, not give my cat COVID. It's the principle of, of not it's giving other people's what is it? It's my duty to, to queen and country. So this is uh, part of the long genre of like a couple movies that Christopher Nolan has made where he just goes, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we made like a boring action movie and instead of like making the action super, super different, we just made like reality different in one way or another? It's like, what if we made James Bond, but we just took the bullshit science fiction like what if we, logical conclusion? Yeah, what if we made James Bond, but instead of like the bond wep the bond supervillain's weapon being like oh hey i have a big nuke or like oh hey i have a big laser it's like Space oh laser. hey i i am going to literally destroy all of humanity forever so that i can repopulate it with everybody on my space station yeah i mean he he rocks but um we'll get into that later and yeah i think like sort of all jokes aside i think this movie unfairly gets ripped on just because it was the movie that was being advertised right when movie theaters shut down and so seeing all those tenant posters was like kind of mocking you for not being able to go and see a movie and i think being the only movie that was out for a very long period of time like all of the movie critics had nothing to do and it's so much easier to write a bad review than a good review yeah i mean they just I guess you can say that, you know, you can do all the movie critic bullshit of, oh, it's derivative. Oh, it's, derivative you know, we've already, we've already seen this derivative. with, but we've already seen this with Inception, which, you know, um, I've, I haven't seen Inception in a while, but Inception is good. This movie is also good. I mean, Christopher Nolan knows how to make a good action movie if he really puts his mind to this it. This movie is just as good as Inception, if not better. And this that's is a my nuclear. Hot take. I know that is. That's not like, even a nuclear hot take. I think that's a. Uh, that's an inverse hot take. Yeah. Ayo. It is. 
Ayo, there you go, there you go. It's it's entropy has been reverted, inverted through yeah, I mean, nuclear fission. See, Malcolm was trying to, you were trying to explain to me, like, the, uh, the intricacies of how the, the science, the sci-fi, like, technobabble part of the movie worked. And at, at a certain point, I just went, you know what, I'm just going to roll with it. And I think that's the way you need to enjoy this movie. Yeah. If you just accept that the reverse entropy thing um, makes things run in reverse, and that if if Sador, like Alexei Sador, the movie villain, if he gets it, all these things, that he will do the reverse entropy, but to everything and destroy it, uh, that's all you need to know for the movie. Yeah. And to enjoy it. I mean... Yeah. You know, you just have to understand that sometimes things in the movie run backwards and sometimes they run forwards. Even as, a, like, a weird science guy, I can tell you that their scientific explanation was, like, complete BS. Like, it just didn't... It's not a real thing. But, you know what? And they're like, yeah, the radiate This radiation reverses the entropy. And I'm like, yeah, you know I what, mean, dude? Well, Fair enough. Um, so... I don't expect... I think there's too much expectation that movies will be... Like the Martian, just in that they're like completely, or Apollo 13, like completely 100% scientifically accurate, or they'll be completely stupid. And Tenet sort of runs this line. I mean, I think it's that, I think it's like, you know, making a totally scientific movie where, you know, like the Martian. Yeah. I think like that is a subversion of like the kind of technobabble bullshit that Tenet is just trying to bring back. Well, like, I think it's almost like you could... I would argue that it's like a subversion of a subversion. Like, we really don't get just technobabble bullshit anymore in sci-fi. I think I think if The Martian was not scientifically accurate and they were making stuff up, it would be boring. I think that, yeah, The Martian and Apollo 13 are two movies that have science-driven storylines. Um, whereas yeah. Tenet does not. What I do appreciate about Tenet, I was going to say this, like... The science doesn't make sense, but they set rules for themselves, and they do stick to them the entire movie. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no, oh, and also, halfway through, the rules never change. They never add anything, right? Like, they, they give you an exposition dump. Um, and like it's not, and it's not like, yeah, you don't you don't get a scene where the main villain, like, changes the rules. And it's like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? He's changed the rules. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they're all constrained by their world's version of physics. Yeah, and that's and acceptable. I think that's, that's the most we can ask. And so I think... Um, so the movie starts, actually, and this is something I, I I kind of picked up on right away. It starts with, I guess, like a... I don't know what to call it. It's not quite a homage, because that's weird. To a say, parallel. A parallel, we'll say, to a real-life siege that the Ru- that the Russians were called in to deal with. I, so it was the... Oh my god, I'm totally blanking. It was a concert hall. Moscow Theater Hostage Crisis. Yeah. So it was in 2002, and pretty much what happened was a bunch of, I think it was Chechen separatists. Yep. They took over this, well, you know, in, in real life it was a movie theater, and in the in Tenet it is an like an orchestra. Opera house. Like an opera house where there's an orchestra playing. And so the first scene of the movie, it like pans up and everyone's like tuning their instruments and then it goes completely quiet. And then, you know, the conductor gets shot and, you know, these, this organization, they, the conductor gets shot and these guys in masks are just like 
tearing the whole place apart. And then the this agency, I it, I don't think it's ever stated what agency it is. I think it's just there's a nice little touch where the the CIA team that's trying to pull a guy out of the the orchestra, like of the opera house. They, yeah, they wait, wait to see what cops show up. They wait they to see like, what what agency. They have like a bunch of different patches on a table, and then as soon as they show up, they all start sticking the patches on, which I guess was a little bit of like a Chekhov's gun. Like oh, they they're sticking on the patches with Velcro. Because later, um, the patch like gets it gets cut off, or like someone like nudges it off once yeah. the protagonist. And yes, that's literally his name in the script is the protagonist. Yeah. Um, he does. He, I think he's grabbing all the bombs. Okay. So so let's 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 be let's be rational here. Let's go through. A, by the way, spoiler warning. So yeah. um, there is yeah a bunch of terrorists take a theater, um, or an opera house. Uh, we don't know who they are, but uh, we later learn that it is, for them, yeah, a big operation to grab some CIA operative in Ukraine, in Kiev. Uh, and they are, the CIA is blending in with the um, uh, Ukrainian special forces to extract the CIA operative. Um, and so they're like, they're hiding from both, obviously, the terrorists and the, uh, and the Ukrainians. Um, they, you know take the guys like they, they grab the guy and then yes they find that there are some other haha imposters um in the ukrainian special forces planting bombs to make it an even bigger terrorist attack uh we learn who these people are later so we won't say now um and yeah so uh as they're trying to defuse the bombs to stop hundreds of people from dying uh the protagonist gets caught because yes the patch is velcro and it's peeling off his arm uh, and then saved, and then once again caught, uh, at which point he witnesses a mysterious masked person in, like, full tactical gear sort of unfire a bullet through somebody. Like, it was in the wall, and then it comes out of the wall, goes through the person, and into this mysterious person's gun, uh, saves his life, and he, the other person runs away, and he's like, okay, like, I don't know who this is, but I'll take the hell. Uh, and yeah, I, that um, just happened. Yeah. Um, so that just happened. Yeah. He, yeah, he retrieves this strange artifact. He thinks it's, like, weapons encapsulation, but he's never seen it before. Um, and he is captured, uh, and tortured, and manages to take a cyanide pill and die. Yeah, so he, there, I mean, it's an interesting little scene, because he, he doesn't manage to take it, but the guy in, who had just been interrogated before him, who had then been killed, was holding his in his hand, so he, like rocks his chair forward, bites down, and... Well, I mean, he doesn't die. So, the protagonist wakes up on a boat. So... Heaven. I'd love to be yeah. on a boat. So, he gets, a, you know, he gets the whole pill thing explained to him. Like, yeah, you were in an induced coma for, a, for like, six months. A week. I thought he said for months. It was a week. But anyway, he says that, yes, th those pills are just a test to see, I guess, who's... I mean, that... die for anyone else. Yeah, so that right, was... Like, he makes some... I'm sure if you've seen the trailer, or I hope you've seen the movie if you listen to this, uh, you know, he makes the whole thing about, oh, well, everyone says they've run into the burning building to save somebody, but you can never know until you're actually faced with it. Now we know that you would. Um, yeah. So he, he died he... for his team, basically. Yeah, and so, obviously, he's not dead, 
but he proved by taking the bullet that like the pill that he thought was cyanide that you know he would be able to that he would yeah. so he's you know he's on a boat and then he sort of there's a weird scene where he kind of walks out and it's not really clear like how he got there right like he he was in the hospital bed and then he gets up and gets out and all of a sudden he's just on a boat and so the boat docks he drives into just like some you know unexplained science lab and well he's given he's given like code words and stuff yeah so we get the exposition as to how this whole reversed entropy thing works yeah so essentially um the way it supposedly works is that yeah the entropy of um an object is inverted entropy is like the natural decay and loss of energy of all existing things uh and it's inverted uh through some nuclear technique which means they move backwards through time essentially not like like they appear to be moving backwards because they're running in reverse um so the scientist he's talking to believes they're manufactured in the future and they keep uh finding other objects which they believe to be remnants of a war inverted objects which they believe to be remnants of a war from the future traveling back in time towards them um and so uh basically uh this scientist says like what's happening is potentially worse than nuclear holocaust oh yeah well Um, because nuclear holocaust kills everybody but a sort of reverse entropy action destroys everyone across well that's 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 way later at this point they're still talking about nuclear weapons they're talking about inverted nuclear weapons that could be sent back to any time um but uh yeah i mean they don't really know what they're dealing with yet um but that it's really dangerous we also we get a very weird introduction to our villain um his name is alexei sador played by none other than kenneth branagh who is surprisingly surprisingly not playing a shakespearean role on on the movie screen well okay surprisingly doing a good job of a role that's not a shakespearean one yeah he's doing a he's doing a very good russian bond villain again if you just watch this movie as though it is a bond movie it rocks yeah this movie so well yeah obviously so we learn first about cat through sir michael kane who plays another sir michael i forget his last name in the movie but sir michael kane plays a different sir michael and we learn about this um she works i think at sotheby's is that how you pronounce it i've only ever well, seen it, it I, I, she, she's an art she, yeah so she you know it's her job to for auction houses and such to make sure that certain pieces of art are authentic and so there's we get revealed that there's a bit of leverage that the protagonist can use that he can he know the i think it, mi5 is domestic right mi5 is domestic mi6 so mi5 knows that she verified a painting that was a fake by accident and by accident and sador alexei sador her husband bought it so i guess they're you know their theory is that they can use this knowledge that you know cat won't know about the fake the protagonist will he'll be able to spring it on her and you know he'll have some sort of leverage to get to alexei sador 
Now, you know, obviously Michael Caine rocks, and there's a fairly funny scene. Um, it's your classic, like, American in a Bond movie, but kind Fresh of flipped. Water, yeah. it, it's like, here's the American doing American stuff in a British setting. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we get... We get we get exposed to Cat first, and then there's a very fun um, fight scene where I guess Sador thinks that the protagonist is sleeping with Cat, and so he sends in a bunch of his goons to like you know beat the shit out of him in this in this uh, restaurant, and then you know the driver who's about to drive Cat home says he wants you to see, and there's like a probably a two minute long fight scene where like. It's kind of just like a John Wick fight scene. Well, it, but it's more humorous than a John Wick fight scene, right? It's quippy, right? They bring him in, and he's like, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago, and then he beats them up. Yeah, but it's not, um, like, the annoying version. It's, like, Bond movie quirk. Like, it's Bond movie quips. It's not, like, Marvel movie quips. Except the it's not like good. It's not like a dude gets punched in the face, and he's like... Or he gets it's not like a dude gets punched in the balls and then everyone goes oh and then <laughs> like the main character goes oh man that's gotta hurt like it's it's not like that level of quips it's just like it's just I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago yeah and then the fight the shit out of and then the fight scene starts and yeah. including like he slices off a dude's face with a cheese grater not very it's, graphically but yes he does yeah and, and then he you know the the driver's like oh he wants you to watch talking to cat and then we just see the protagonist just like stumbling outside <laughs> and the driver just, stumbling, just like control just, walk buttons up his suit yeah and throws so, the car into first drives away as fast as he can yeah yeah and so after this and after what we learned from cat and from sador um, we find out that it was an arms dealer by the name of Priya Singh who, I guess, sold the... I think it was that she sold the inverted bullets to Sador, right? Yeah. So, we learn... Well, she sold a, the bullets to Sador and then he inverted them. Yeah, so there's a very... I get... I mean, it's it's a pretty funny scene, actually. Because they do... They spend all this time, like, setting up this infiltration scene and then, you know... You got. We're introduced to Neil, played by Robert Pattinson. Hell yeah, uh, he fucking rules. Uh, and already who, knows a bit too much about the protagonist. Yeah, he at, right at the start, you're kind of suspicious. Like, okay, who's this Neil guy? Why does he know so much about like maybe not about Tenet? We don't learn that he knows about Tenet until much later. But why does he know about the inversion stuff? Why is he so up to date? So and also even just that he knows that the protagonist likes Diet Coke yeah and so do i so we get this really nice like you know classic bond infiltration slash stealth scene so they break onto the the balcony of this arms dealer and they're they have like the bungee jumping yeah they have the they have, well they have the bungee jumping but they they get the guy right they get the guy and they have a gun to his head and then they're like it it turns out that she like the the wife who's like sitting in the background is the arms dealer and that the husband is just like sort of a front yeah. to make everyone believe that, it, you know, it's the powerful man in charge instead of Priya. And I think Priya is a pretty cool character. Uh, yeah. You know, she, she's a girl boss. She does her own thing. And another thing I appreciate about this movie is that they cast an Indian to play an Indian and not an Indian American. 
Yeah, I mean, very often you see like Indian Americans putting on bad Indian accents in American movies. Yeah. Whereas I'm, in this I mean, one, yeah, they're, aren't was, they? They're both Bollywood actors. Yeah, they were both Bollywood actors. Which they got for the role, you know, kind of rules. Yeah. And so yeah, we learn that Sador is a abusive to Cat, and that he we learn here that he knows about the fake and holds it over her head, right? Yeah. Is it this scene that we so we find that out? And we also learn that he's a plutonium dealer who makes his deals with as a broker with the future. Now, that part isn't super well explained at this point. Because but, they don't know, right? Like, yeah. one thing that's, that's also good about this movie is that we learn about things as everybody else learns about these things. Like, yeah. there's nothing that's deliberately hidden from us, in a sense. Like, there are no characters that hide information. No, there's no, like, scene where... Like, there's a couple scenes where the protagonist is to, like, to Neil or someone, like, how the, how did you know this? Like, what's going on? And then they, they, you know, it turns out that they literally just found out about it, too. Yeah. But still. And so after they learn this, they travel to Oslo to a free port to grab a painting, you know, the painting that Kat authenticated. Yeah. That was faked. So they're going to destroy it. So, yeah, I just want to explain Freeport because this is a real thing that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, so what it is, is it's like a facility set up in an airport after customs where you can essentially come off the tarmac from your plane and put stuff there. Usually it's art, but it can be anything else. And because it never has to go through customs, you never have to pay taxes on it or anything like that. So what a lot of people will do is they'll buy art Right, they'll take it to a free port. They'll put it in the free port, um, and then they'll leave it there for years and years and years and years. No one will ever look at it. Right, it's not admired as art, and it will collect value over time because it gets older. And then decades later, they'll sell it to someone else who has to take it through customs, um, and pay the taxes on it. Uh, and and so, I mean, obviously that's very anti-artistic. That's like the people who tried to cancel John Mouse or whatever. But um, it's kind of this weird economic concept that a lot of people don't know about. Anyway, so yeah, they go to this free port. And um, so there, this is probably one of the cooler scenes. It, it's the scene so nice we get it twice. And uh, so there, Neil, I guess, infiltrates as a someone who wants to rent a space in this free port. Yeah. And, you know, that's how they learn about the halide gas that is used as a fire suppressant. And so they get the idea to just fly a jet from the tarmac straight into the free port and break in that way through using yeah. the chaos. It's seriously, it all reminded me of like a GTA 5 heist. Gone wrong. Yeah. Well, not, not necessarily gone wrong because they Oh, okay. I was just more wrong. thinking of breaking into the airport to steal. The 747. No, that would absolutely be some something that you could plan out in like a single player GTA Five heist. Yeah. But um, so they they use, I guess like they have a, a fixer whose name I forget. Um, and he they sort of stage this terrorist attack because there's a bunch of gold being transported on one of the jets Mahir. on the tarmac. Mahir, and. I guess they make they frame it so that it can just be oh look it was an Islamic terrorist attack on in Norway to steal a bunch of gold. Islam? Well, yeah, but just like or a, yeah. a, a heist but attack or whatever. When, I don't know. So basically, they when in, it, it's in reality always... they're hijacking the jet so that they can 
fly it into the the freeport and break in and, and also dump a bunch of gold on the tarmac so nobody's looking at the, the, now, the freeport itself i mean me me doing you know watching this my, my first thought was hey this is a bit reminiscent of a couple things you know when there was that bomb that went off at the at&t building and everyone just kind of forgot about it yeah or when there were a bunch of like shots fired into transformer boxes in like 2012 and the cops showed up looked around to see if there was anyone that had broken in concluded that no one had and just left yep and that was the end of the investigation yep like it just makes you wonder like if that if that was what made the news what didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right how, how, what what are those bombings you know and you know shootings at like literally the the one at the transformer boxes it was professionally done there were no handprints on the casings of the bullets so it was you know obviously done by professionals they were they were calibered like the bullets were calibered in um like ak-47 ammunition uh 762 by 39 so you know but who knows what i don't it's the official records probably bullshit but we'll never know the actual truth yeah so anyway back to back to tenant and away from conspiracy theories um instead of finding the painting they find this weird it's like a double door so it's it's kind of like a split room and it it's it looks like something that a magician would use to do like a disappearing trick Mm -hmm. but they they break into the the right room in this freeport and they find these two masked men both of whom look like the ones who saved the protagonist's life in kiev and are trying to escape so the one come out of the rotating device yeah so they come out of the yeah the the, i guess later i guess called a turnstile so we'll just start calling it that yeah and so the one who fights the the one fights neil one fights the protagonist and the one, and the one who's who fighting fights the Neil protagonist, is running, whereas the one who fights the protagonist is actually kind of fighting him. Which yeah. Is also so the, the protagonist, the one who's fighting the protagonist, is inverted though. Yes. Yeah. You don't immediately notice it, but if you're watching the fight sort of closely, you pick up on it, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a couple moves that you'll watch him do, and you'll be like, "Holy!" Well, shit. immediately he starts firing an inverted gun at him. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So. But you you kind of pick up on the fact that he's inverted, and so you're you're wondering like, oh shit, this is um this is Sador's guy is trying to ice him. Yeah. So they make it out, and after after they you know return to Priya, she explains that the device is called a turnstile, and it's how objects are inverted. So she says that they likely fought the same person. One was just inverted to trying to get to the turnstile and the other was not inverted and trying to escape the building after going through the turnstile yeah so so after this cat introduces the protagonist to Seder, who immediately takes a disliking to him wants to kill him in a very gruesome fashion um but eventually he is convinced to strike a partnership with him uh after a few murder attempts uh to steal a case of plutonium uh from a convoy in Tallinn. apparently this plutonium was actually lifted from the kiev siege um that we saw in the beginning uh, so this is yeah so we get because we see the weird box in in kiev but we don't ever see sort of what's inside of it we just think oh it's it's you know it's we later are led to assume that it's plutonium yeah 
because you know it's a weird box it looks and there's like a backstory for some plutonium disappearing yeah so yeah so uh there's a sort of incredible action sequence so um oh it's so they steal the case good. from moving convoy and the protagonist discovers that it's the same artifact he saw in kiev the same and you know artifact. what you know what shout out to christopher nolan for setting it somewhere that isn't just like one of the boring places in europe yeah, like, there's a little bit of time in London in the movie, but I think I was pointing this out at the time we were watching, yeah. right? Like, you rarely see movies in Norway or Estonia or even Ukraine. Well, yeah. no, you see m- movies in Ukraine if they're about, like, corruption and people getting shot a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the protagonist discovers the same artifact he saw in Kiev, uh, but is very quickly ambushed by Seder, who is pointing a gun at Katten, and so he hands over an empty case without the artifact in it and saves her. But they're both soon captured by Seder. Um, they're taken to another turnstile uh, and, and threatened by both an inverted and uninverted Seder. This is a very confusing sequence, but basically the inverted Seder... We had to pause and you had to explain what was going on just based off what we should have known for about 10 minutes. And I can understand, actually, if you didn't have that, it would be very hard to follow. Yes. And that's, I, I think, n- some of the problem that the movie has is that it is like... It is a lot better on the second viewing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so there are... Basically, the the first way you see it, you see it twice. You see it from the protagonist's perspective and then Seder's perspective. Uh, which, because of inversion, is actually really easy for this movie to show you the same scene twice and not have it be boring. Um, yeah, because, well, first of all, things are changed. And also, it's there's a bit of novelty in like, oh shit, this is the same scene, but just backwards. Yeah. So like yeah, basically, basically he. We is get to in- watch the chase scene back again from the point of view of this car that ended up reversing. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're they're taken to a turnstile. They're threatened by by both an inverted and uninverted turnstile uh, Seder, uh, who first from the protagonist's perspective, we basically see him uh, demanding to know where the artifact is because he gave him an empty case, uh, and when he doesn't tell him, he shoots cat with an inverted bullet uh at which point uh he tells him to stop cat from being shot in the head um but it's a lie Seder leaves um and then we see it from Seder's perspective because of the inversion where essentially the inverted Seder shoots cat with an inverted bullet while the uninverted Seder from minutes prior interrogates the protagonist right using the threat of shooting her um despite the lie. So yeah, here's your scenes. Like, he inverts himself, the protagonist, after Seder leaves, and he's rescued by a bunch of military guys who work for this mysterious tenant organization that Neil supposedly does as well, um, that he's been recruited to. Uh, he inverts himself, and he goes back to retrieve the artifact, but he cannot. Um, there is, yeah, reverse car chase scene. Um, it's like, it's the same as the one we had earlier, except it, it's from a different car's point of view yeah it's just like some random car who happens to be in the right place at the right time when you're watching it forwards and then you watch it back and it's actually the protagonist that's driving the car and this happened several times which i think it, it, it i think it was weird that they were you know the two different versions of him were able to get that close to each other and have it not mess with anything i think that's one of the only sort of lore breaks that we get when well, they're... no, you're not supposed to touch, but you can. You is can get was close. that is that what they said? Yeah, you're not supposed to touch. That's why I, they wear those protective I, suits. 
I thought the stakes were that you you can't interact. I think that isn't that why they had. Well, the... it, when he says don't let your mo- molecules interact, that means you can't touch. I guess. Yeah. Um. So that's not that's not a war break. Wait, that that's why they wear those big suits. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Uh. And and actually, if you look in the movie very carefully, uh, in the original scenes, you can actually like in this scene you can actually see the protagonist in the car. Uh, you just have to be very carefully looking. Um, but yeah, so he, he goes back, he can't retrieve the artifact, he crashes the car, um, at which point Seder blows it up, uh, but because it's inverted, uh, it removes heat molecules rather than... Yeah, I mean, it's just like, haha, he, he has an explosion and then wakes up in one of those, like, hypothermia, like, foil blankets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it Within it's the sort of, logic it of the movie. plays by the rules of the movie, kind of. Yes. To the, you know, it, I didn't, they're just like, oh, it, it's inverted, meaning the, you know, you lose heat instead of gaining it. They actually do briefly mention it before he inverts himself that it would happen. Um, so I, again, don't mind. Oh yeah, they did, they said that friction and heat were inverted. And there's the scene where he's like trying to drive and he's like, has to turn the wrong way. Yeah. And then there's the scene where, yeah, he when he gets blown up so i guess they do kind of allude to it yeah um so then yeah he wakes up in a shipping container because they've inverted cat and kneels with him uh basically to save cat from the inverted bullet that went through her they have to invert her as well um and so uh they're in a shipping container on a boat going to oslo um so that they can uh go back to the airport uh and the freeport specifically um, because they know there's a turnstile there, so that they're a week back, they want to talk to Priya, um, and, uh, so, that they, they, they'll go back to the turnstile in Oslo, uh, and talk to Priya, um, and while the protagonist is trying to go through the turnstile, it is revealed that the man that they fought in the beginning of the movie is actually the protagonist trying to go through the turnstile, and there's a specific moment uh, in that first fight scene where Neil acts bizarrely, um, he tears the mask off of the uninverted, inverted man, and then gives it back and runs away, uh, at which point, now we know why. Um, and so, yeah, he goes to the turnstile. Uh, they get Kat through the turnstile. He goes and talks to Priya um, before they first meet in Mumbai in the beginning of the movie. And she explains that the artifact is one of several pieces of a formula that could change the inversion of the entire Earth, destroying their world completely, but allowing the future to undo the effects of climate change and this war. So, essentially, at whatever point this uh, um, sort of code or formula is activated, right, like, that point in time will invert and time will start running backwards. Um... Which means that everything that comes before it, right? Like, let's say you do it in 2021. Everything that comes before 2021 will be destroyed as 2021 inverts. Which is, like, tough to wrap your head around, but it does make sense. Yeah, it's, it It takes a while, but eventually you kind of... About an hour in, you kind of click with the whole logic of the movie. And at that point, at least, I was just rolling with it. Yeah. So, the scientists who created the formula uh, thought it would destroy their world, too, like the future as well, 
um, because it would create a grandfather paradox. So she had killed herself and spread the the formula throughout the past um, and, and hidden it so that it, like, broken it up, spread it throughout the past so that it, it couldn't be found. Um, it's physical. Uh, but uh, the future was using Seder to get them all back. Um, we're told that the algorithm is essentially set to be transmitted to the future uh, or its location is set to be transmitted to the future when Sator dies uh, and that he also has stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Um, earlier in the movie he's being abusive to Kat and he mentions that if he can't have her no one can and now it's revealed that he's taking that attitude towards the, the world and he's been doing that ever since he was diagnosed um, because it's inoperable and he's going to die. Uh, and so essentially his plan is just to destroy the world because he doesn't want to see a world without him in it. And he also, he decides to go back in time and Kat, I guess, predicts this. She knows him well enough that he will go back in time to their vacation in Vietnam, which was the last time that he was really happy. Yeah. So this starts to set the scene for probably one of my favorite action scenes that I've ever seen. Partially yeah. because you're very, very, you're like, oh my god, guys, they're shooting, and some guys are moving backwards, and that's sick, and oh my god, the time's always inverting. And then you get to the end, and you're like, what the fuck happened? And then you get to the very end of the scene, and it all clicks. Yeah. So, essentially, the plan, so Seder has collected all four um, parts of the formula, um all three parts of the formula rather and he has found a, a spot that means a lot at exposition we don't really need to get into it um where there's going to be an explosion which is actually very briefly mentioned at the start of the film at the same time as the kfr procedure um and his plan is to uh essentially put the formula underground uh blow it up watch the sunset with his wife and child uh, and then kill himself, at which point the location will be transmitted to uh, the future of where it is, uh, where they will be able to dig it up in the future and, and before the past can uh, activate it and destroy the world. Um, and so what they have to do, they still have to let the bomb go off because it's sort of set, they know it's going to happen, but they need to lift the formula out of uh, where it's being buried before they can, um, before they can, before the bomb goes off. There's a temporal pincer. And there's, there's a sort of, I mean, as soon as they had possession of the algorithm, we know that it would have been fine for them, for um, Kat to do what she does, which is kill him in a, you know, before she's given the signal by uh, Mahir, the fixer. And so we we get a sort of tense scene where Kat kills um Yeah, Sador. so well, because that's important, because Sator can't die before they get the formula, because otherwise um, the location is transmitted, they're done. Yeah. Right, and so they send future Kat to go and keep Seder alive uh, until they get the formula um, 
which is uh, uh um, yeah but they have it and then cat kills them no no kills she kills them. them before they have it it's it's well it's oh right no she, so yeah there's yeah. there's a very tense scene right because he shot her and she hates him even more now um and so eventually she just gets sick of letting him die um or letting him sort of win and she tells him that he's going to die alone and kills him right in time there's some timey-wimey stuff with neil inverting and uninverting himself yeah um and so it's neil that takes the bullet yeah so there's uh again climactic scene where a mysterious dead soldier on the ground uh from their side uh inverts like into the a soldier's bullet. already dead and then he sort of gets up because he's inverted. inverted and and gets hit and then well he gets unhit and then runs yeah. away um and so they can't figure out who it is whatever whatever um they win cat kills Seder. Seder dies uh just in time for them to get the formula out um and then uh, um neil and the protagonist and this other guy ives who's like a military guy basically are they task themselves with hiding the formula once again and then killing themselves before anyone else knows the location yeah and then neil basically reveals that he plans to be the guy who inverts into the bullet um and the protagonist is like doing manly crying yeah uh and then he... and then neil neil drops the line like for him this mission is just the end of a long friendship with the protagonist and that right then it's sort of revealed that it is the protagonist is the protagonist because he starts tenet in the future in the future well in the past in his future yeah. again weird timey-wimey stuff um and so the last scene of the movie is it's the same shot as from earlier where we see Kat and her son at um, his private school. And she's obviously not allowed to see him because of... Um, no, 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 this is after that. No, it's fine. He's, she's still allowed to see him. Like, this is actually set after the events. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is it's it's like sort of meant to mirror the scene. Oh, yeah, it's meant to mirror. Yeah, yeah, you're it's right. It's meant to right. mirror the scene where we know that Kat can't see her son, but she's, you know, sort of saying hello to him anyway as he's leaving school and being taken away by their nanny, I guess. And the last scene is it's Priya and another guy who's affixing a suppressor to a pistol um, right outside and as Kat's waiting for her son. And then there's another suppressed gunshot and the guy in the, the passenger seat slumps over. And then the camera shot changes and you see the protagonist sitting behind Priya with a gun to her head. And the movie ends with Priya being shot by the protagonist because at this point he's realized that he is the guy that goes on to create Tenet. And he has to tie up loose ends. Yeah, he, he can't have Priya, who's just some arms dealer that knows about the whole affair with Seder because of him, can't have her, you know, running around. Yeah. And so... She gets taken out. Movie and no ends. one else knows about Cass, so she's safe. Yeah, yeah, because Seder's dead, Priya's dead. No one else. Yeah, no one else in that sort of time space, whatever you want to call it, knows about the whole affair. Yeah, and so the movie ends, and 
I mean, that's pretty much it. I I thought, you know, we're going to launch into some thoughts on it soon. But what I said and what I tweeted immediately after watching it was, if you are a yeah. third-year film student at NYU, you will despise this movie because it has a satisfying ending. It is not meant for people who think that movies are not meant to make you feel good about the ending. It is a movie that the whole time you're going, holy shit, this is so cool. And, you know, it's just a good action movie. Movies, you should not be miserable. Like, you can be miserable as you're watching movies, but you do not have to be. No. It's not a prerequisite. Again, NYU film student, third year, you can whine. But it doesn't change the fact that, that was an incredibly enjoyable film. Doesn't change the fact that the movie fucking rocks. The movie owns. It's just a movie about like two guys. Not only is it a movie about two guys, it's a movie about a British woman killing her dick husband. I mean, those are like the three, two best. A six foot three British woman killing her husband combined with a cool dudes hanging out movie. And yeah. one where you don't have to feel guilty about rooting for the CIA. What That's more also do you true. need? There's, it's a movie what about the CIA where there's no American propaganda. Like, other than the fact that, like, an American and a Brit have to take down, and two Brits I have mean, to take down a Russian. Even like that's the only like yeah that's sure, formula that's, though that's gonna be that's gonna be a, a cultural thing for the next two hundred years. There's gonna be like a smoldering heap where the U.S. is, and there's still gonna be some guy talking in a Southern accent beating up some guy who's talking in a Russian accent. It's just, and it's just it's, no, well, that's just formula. That's the way it's always been. Yeah, and so the, but you know the, the main th- thing I got out of this movie is that yes, guys can hang out but it won't last forever. <laughs> but it will. It will, but it won't. Yeah. It'll last forever in both of their memories. It's but true. guys do not hang out forever. Yeah. What I what did I learn from this movie? Um don't abuse your wife. Yeah, don't abuse your wife and uh remember to go and vote. Yes, it's true. It's true cuz they defeated Seder with voting. Yeah, they they voted so hard they said, "Sir, Sir, you are you are doing a megalomania. You are you are doing a psychopathy. You are doing a no growth. You are doing an abuse. And so we have impeached you, sir. And uh, and Cat voted him in the chest, and then voted him off the boat. Voted him directly in the heart, and then voted voted him his neck on the side of the boat, and then voted into the water. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. uh, it's it's even alluded to because there's a scene where Sator is like taunting her with the fact that yeah or taunting the protagonist with the fact that yeah she can try and unclip him from his like insanely fast sailboat but she won't kill him and yeah. i guess that was also meant to allude to the dead man switch but once that's taken care of yeah bye bye Sator. yep yeah so um in conclusion this is a movie about some cool dudes who hang out and i think but i think like it really was just the movie to rip on because like you had nothing else to rip on yeah well one thing i noticed about tenant which a lot of people have not and i really thought was kind of cool is that the entire movie is a palindrome yeah right it starts and ends in the exact same place with the the only time where nothing kind of repeats in a sense is right in the middle um, Estonia, and 
obviously the word tenet is also a palindrome but uh i just thought that was kind of interesting right like they set up this whole movie about palindromic time travel and um so i mean you've also yeah and then there's also the seder square yeah well that's the whole movie set up around the yeah. seder square right like seder there's, there's and then yeah, his Andre's, called Andre's Rotas, seder. and then the the guy who faked the art is called arapo and then there's a siege of an opera house and then so, obviously tenet yeah, and obviously Tenet's I mean, right in the middle. So it's... I don't know. I think it's a good action movie. We recommend that you see it. And, you know, Robert Pattinson's in it, if you needed another reason to. Well, Robert Pattinson and John David Washington and um, Elizabeth Debicki. It is the bisexuals. Dream. And Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I can see it. As a younger man, he as, was quite something. As a very yeah, I mean, him and Hamlet. I remember we had to watch. We watched that in English class. We watched the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, and he plays both a very a good angsty twenty something Hamlet. Hamlet, and a, a very like angry Russian man. So you know, you if can't you say he doesn't have range. If you are into barrel chested, uh, middle aged, angry looking guys, Kenneth Branagh in this Kenneth movie Branagh is your person. guy. It's your person. But yeah, so, no, I, I'll go ahead. I mean, look, th- this is all actually just MK Ultra. This is what the CIA wished they could have done, is have a guy take a pill and then have him be able to do magic shit. I mean, that hopefully, you know... This is what I wish the CIA would have done. There were all those movies about, like, mind control in, like, the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Like, And then, or, yeah, and also just, like, Manchurian Candidate. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that they actually had the tech. I hope that it's the same thing with Tenet, where they're just teasing us, and that in fact the CIA will be sending me back in time, because you know I think if they if they sent me back to Bay of Pigs or whatever, I'd uh, I'd handle it. I'd sort something out. In what direction? Uh, I'll leave that up to both you and the listeners' interpretation. I'd handle it. That's all. I'm no, saying. no, no, no. They don't even. Need, they hardly even need to send you back in time. You know, seventy years. All they have to do is send you to the uh, the Bay of Bald White Guys with Hamburgers in Venezuela last year. <laughs> I would Bay just look. Angry all fishermen. I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, our national pride as Canadians would not be nearly as hurt if I was there. I would have sorted something out. Our national pride as Canadians. Yeah, the dude was Canadian. What dude? The oh guy my who god, you're right. The, the guy oh, who that is so embarrassing. The, you're right. He was Venezuela in the Canadian Armed Forces. Yeah, and then he fucking washed out and tried to, again, like every other fucking United States thing that gets imported to Canada, it's just shittier. Yeah. You know, our exports to America are pretty good, but what we import from their culture is fucking dog shit. It's true. So he imported the weird operator culture that they have, made his own private security firm that they tried scamming people with. It didn't work. And then he was like, yeah, dude, uh, CIA, we can totally fucking run your op for you, man. We got this. And they just got, like, absolutely dunked on. And they were, like, arrested face down, pissing themselves. Like, that is probably the most embarrassed I've ever been to be a Canadian. Yeah. Well, look. In my lifetime, If you flunk out of the Canadian Armed Forces and then immediately become a highly decorated U.S. soldier, 
I think that that is more of a uh, an American problem than a Canadian one. Yeah. If yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> that says a lot about us and a lot about them. After the attack, it became public that a formal document setting out the objective of the operation was signed on October 2019 between Silvercorp and Guaido's strategy committee, which Guaido had formed with the goal of exploring all available options for removing Maduro from power and installing himself as president. Oops. Whoops. That wasn't in our episode. So much so much for InfoSec. Yeah. So much for all the cool acronyms and short phrases that all those weird operator security guys use. They're all dog shit at their jobs. I think if you put me in charge, I'd I'd be way better at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we could have done it. Oh, we totally could have done it. Look, you and I, us... we could have totally taken out Maduro. Look, we... <laughs> Hypothetically parody in Minecraft, um, we would definitely be way better at orchestrating a coup than any fucking loser. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing a coup be. against Maduro. That's boring. That's old. No. And that doesn't serve our ideology we'd be doing, at all. We would be doing a coup against Redacted. Yeah. Well, we both know who we'd coup. Yeah. We don't need to say it. We don't we need to say it, but we would we do know. it. We would handle it. Yeah. But yeah, no, if if we were Jordan Goudreau, we could totally pull that off. God, of course he was French-Canadian. <sighs> of course he was. I, just before we end the episode, um, on the topic of, I guess angry russians um, no he wasn't he was from calgary alberta what do you make of the, of the alexei navalny trial because i have just before you sign off i have a couple thoughts about this mostly okay. that they're so they're turning like, him into a they're turning him into a sympathetic character yeah so it's sort of like how i was joking with some friends a few days ago about how uh, Burmese Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of Myanmar, Aung San Suu Kyi, should probably be in prison. And as I was saying it, some monkey's paw somewhere was very slowly curling. Okay? Because there are some people who should be in prison. And they're not in prison for the reasons they should be. Okay? Because, look, it's the same with the Myanmar coup, same with Navalny being in prison. I would normally be happy with the idea of Alexei Navalny being imprisoned. I would normally be happy with the idea of Aung San Suu Kyi being imprisoned. I mean, Navalny has already been imprisoned, executed, and then cloned into a hologram. Well, that's true. So, look, Navalny is not some great liberal hero. Like, yeah, okay, he is horrible. He, he is a right, he is a an ins, like an insane right-wing nationalist. He's a not he's literally yeah. a Holocaust denier. He, he wants to replace the, um, what's it called, the Eurasian Union that Russia's in with all sorts of Central Asian countries, but former they Soviet are... countries, with the EU because he thinks Muslims are cockroaches and he would prefer they... to be in a union with white countries. They are spinning, but again, the media is spinning the wheels of, you know, making this guy out to be a hero and, oh, look, he's being treated, he's being treated so unfairly by the, by the Putin regime, when in reality, I mean, look, I would love to thoroughly parody uh, Navalny, but I never, again, and I never thought that I would be forced to err on the side of Putin in any sort of... Yeah, no, we don't like him either. That's the problem. We, he fuck, he sucks shit. Yeah. Like, all, all jokes about us being Russian assets aside, Putin sucks shit, but... Well, we're just I'm saying sure, this to keep our cover. I don't know. I don't know whether or not Navalny 
who is such an ideologue is worse than Putin, who has no ideology. So here's what I would like Navalny to be in prison for, okay? There was this law that was put in, in place. Uh, it was uh, introduced by Irina Yarovaya in 2014, translated to the Law Against Rehabilitation of Nazism. The law introduced Article 354.1 to the Criminal Code of the Russian Federation, making it a criminal offense to, quote-unquote, deny facts recognized by the International Military Tribunal that judged and punished the major war criminals of the European Axis countries, this refers to the Nuremberg trials, to approve of the crimes this tribunal judged and to spread intentionally false information about the Soviet Union's activities during World War II, as well as the spreading of information on military and memorial commemorative dates related to Russia's defense that is clearly disrespectful of society and to publicate publicly desecrate symbols of Russia's military glory. So Navalny is actually genuinely guilty of the first part of this, about denying facts recognized by the International Military Tribunal, the Nuremberg Trials, because it is recognized by the Nuremberg Trials that the Holocaust happened, and Navalny says no. That's what he should be in jail for, right? That can be uh, a prison term is up to five years. Um, Alexei Navalny looked very sad in his Blue hoodie, dirty with stains all over it. Very oh, disgraceful. So that's what I want a, him to be in prison for. He drew a heart, disgraceful, to his wife. His beautiful, <laughs> beautiful wife. He pointed at her. But, I mean, yeah, he should not be in prison for, like, you know, being the opposition to Putin. He should be One in of prison the, for Remember, being he pulls a, in the single digits being a fucking holocaust denier he should be in prison yeah and same with Aung san Suu Kyi, the the prime minister of myanmar she should be in prison by the international criminal court for committing a genocide against rohingya muslims she should not be in prison by the burmese military for being elected i mean it's very it's it's incredible the i guess you know you've got the rohingyas that were a huge talking point right they they were fucking huge and rightly so yeah, no, that, and then, you know, you've got her being the champion of democracy in Myanmar, right? The military, military coups in general suck. A lot of, most of the Except time, when they're, they're reactionary. Like, Kamas Sankara, that military coup, coup is cool as hell. Read the Jakarta Method. It's a very good book. Vincent, if you're listening, get on the pod. But a lot of the time, military coups are reactionary because they're, I guess groomed by the CIA to be reactionary. I'm not saying no, the CIA is not, involved, but it's. Uh... I'm saying generally, the military coups are reliably reactionary, and especially in like the history of Myanmar, which was, yeah. uh, if I'm remembering correctly, a very brutal socialist dictatorship, like incre- like making Mao look like an anarchist, um, until it was taken over by a military junta, which then became. Uh, a democracy like just a few years ago um yes so, yeah you're right yeah so the, so, so the like the Republic military the in myanmar first of all always had political power even when it became a democracy they were guaranteed 25 percent of seats in various cabinet positions but also um that uh, the military in myanmar is a political a reactionary political institution so no like you shouldn't be not you shouldn't be and any military dictatorship is going to be worse than a genocidal democracy, right? It's like no one would want a coup in the United States. But 
the fact of the matter is that the second this happens now first of all there's a lot of cope going on from like biden people and liberals being like oh my god this is exactly what trump wanted to do this is they were probably inspired by trump yada 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 that is that is the most american exceptionalist bullshit i've ever heard are you like really they got inspired by a bunch of fucking hogs who got a little like unguided tour of the capitol building <laughs> like look i don't mean to downplay what happened in the capitol hill riots i obviously congress congress people's lives were actually at stake but come on it was not by any stretch a military coup yeah and suggesting that a bunch of fucking little babies who were upset that their guy didn't win and went to go fucking murder a bunch of congress people is the same as a planned and organized military coup just shows that you think that America is the center of all politics. Yeah, and the second thing I saw, which was very funny, is people immediately give up the, like, Aung San the butcher monikers and stuff like that, and they're like, oh my god, the military took out Nobel Peace Prize The military Prize laureate. literally took out Girl Boss, Nobel Peace Prize laureate. <laughs> yeah, like... Aung San Suu Kyi. As the best as, ones yeah. are the ones that combined the two. As if to I sort mean, of imply that Biden or Harris were like comparable in their hero worship of her i mean um, look that's that's actually what we call dialectics i'm an academic now uh, i i get to use those words that's dialectics you can just think two things that can't ex that can't coexist it's true it's not it's not double think it's called dialectics look it up lib yeah so yeah um that's what i think i think both of those people should be in prison but not for what they are in prison for. If I were JT right now, or Prime Minister Trudeau, I instead of calling for uh, Aung San Suu Kyi's release, I would call instead for her transfer over to an international criminal court prison. Yeah, and I just I wouldn't mean, call the sad thing is release. I'm I'm calling for this just you know I'm calling for that just because I want her to go through what I've gone through. Um, you know, I have actually been executed and replaced with a hologram by the deep state, and I am now on trial in international court. Oh, see, for me, they actually, I'm actually Donald Trump in a mask. Oh, oh, that's sick. Yeah. Is that, so is they, that why? Okay. They let me, they, well, me as in Trump, as in the, the president, the legitimate president. It was the like a power sharing deal where, the United States. where Joe Biden got to be officially the president and then... Donald Trump got to occupy, or I got to occupy this idiot kid, you know, university. Because student. who would who would suspect the the socialist university, the Canadian socialist university student, to actually just be Donald Trump? Exactly. Who would suspect it? It's the perfect cover. And the internet's better in Mar-a-Lago, anyways. So. That's what I've that's what I've learned from my days in the CIA. Now that I'm a an SEC asset, um, if anyone is looking to uh you know commit some securities fraud uh please hit me up mm -hmm. i'm very interested i would love to know about what you guys are doing yeah um and i think i think that'll do it i think that'll do it we're you know hour three an hour so we're done <laughs> yeah um to end, the episode, next week. to end the episode go yep. watch tenet don't listen to what other people say about tenet listen to what we say about tenet yeah we're we are the only ones that are allowed i'm and by the way, this is the movie that I will be mansplaining to any woman that I that I interact with for the next three months. Guys who like to explain stuff honestly rock. I mean, I just look it. It was uncut gems, and that movie does rock. But I get it. But hmm. this, uh, 
I will be mansplaining this to any woman that I interact with. And in like the next this few stock months. exchange, the coup in Myanmar, stuff like that, or it's like it's been a perfect month for guys who like to explain stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I I spent four hours uh, actually talking to the girl that dropped off my Uber Eats order, um, just trying to get her to truly understand how you know how dangerous the the GameStop pump and dump really is, and you know how they should let the tip? They should let the smart money talk. Oh, I taught, I, you know, I tipped enough, a uh, dollar fifty. That's um, pretty good for four hours. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, you know, on, on that note, I'd like to say a, a big thank you to all our essential workers, such as, uh, you know, the Wall Street and Bay Street stock traders, um, the members of the Robin Hood Defense Force, and uh, related security assets. The owners of Melvin Capital. Uh, the, yeah, everyone involved with Melvin Capital, uh, and to our President other friends. To, yeah, our other frontline workers, uh, President Biden, uh, Ella Emhoff. Oh, Jesus. Um, I think will be Vice leading President the military. Kamala Harris. Uh, um, yeah, fir- first Janet guy, Yellen. Doug Emhoff. Secretary Janet Yellen. Oh, yeah, total girl boss. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, newly I'm actually... In, newly sworn in uh, uh, Transportation Secretary uh, Peter Squeak Squeak Buttigieg. As as an SEC asset, I actually report directly to Janet Yellen. I oh cool, can you get an autograph for me? Yeah, so I run like like I run the strike team. So right. My my job is to uh, kinetically ascertain whenever enough Reddit nerds are buying a stock, and uh, and then I'm supposed to like kinetically ascertain their Robinhood accounts from them. Right. And uh, so yeah, I can definitely get you an autograph. I can I might be able even be able to get her on the pod. That would own. We'll, okay. We'll, see. well, maybe we'll have her next week. Until then, I've been Malcolm. I've been Declan. And this has been your Juno.